Blog Talk Radio. Broadcasting live from somewhere in Iowa, this is Blog Talk Radio, Ball the Sticks, the podcast, with your hosts, Mike and Rich. Hello, Mike and that guy there. Well, you can't see me pointing to him, but he's next to me. So that guy there, Rich. Say hi to everybody, Rich. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's show. Uh, coming out to you from Facebook Live as well as Blog Talk Radio. So, Mike, what a week it wow. was in sports. Yeah, we had a lot of stuff. We got a lot of stuff to talk about. We sure do. Uh, before we get there. Let's go with our our Halloween Ultimate Candy Showdown, which wrapped up this week. Yep. Uh, with another lopsided result for Reese's. <laughs> yep, there I it is, folks. Yeah. There. I you didn't have too many trick or treaters either. We didn't. We we had a total of like ten. That's more than I had. We had six. We uh we still gave away Reese's though, cause that's what the people want. Only Reese's, or or did you grab, or did you have other candy available? Uh, we had Kit Kats as well. Okay. And I made uh, fun of the kids that took Kit Kats over Reese's. Hmm. And then they told okay. me they were allergic to peanuts, and I felt like a terrible human being. <laughs> yeah. Um. We did a variety bag of M and M's, peanut M and M's. Snickers and Twix, and then my wife was upset that I didn't grab a bag that had Reese's in it. Oh, uh, I'll, I'll give in. Yeah, I'll, I'll give in to the point that Reese's is the ultimate Halloween candy. It is the ultimate it's Halloween. Not my favorite. Just not my favorite. That's all. It's okay for you to be wrong once in a while. We don't judge. All right. Okay. So uh, this week's poll question: Is it too early for Christmas? Okay, just too early for Christmas. Is it too early for Christmas? Now, are we going like Christmas decorations, buying Christmas presents, uh, saying Merry Christmas, or anything Christmas-related? Well, I agree it's too early for – I mean, I'm a Christmas nut. You know this, Rich. I worked a, okay. I worked a, a Christmas show called One Voice QC – or One Voice uh, – a Christmas celebration, and I was – I helped find uh, – was one of the people that helped uh, develop that into the show that it became – and uh, so I love Christmas. I would do Christmas. I, I used to listen to Christmas year-round, and I loved it. Um, but I would agree that it's too early to say Merry Christmas uh, this early. But is it too early to do Christmas shopping? Is it too late to start your Christmas shopping? Have you, or do we want to do – I got two options. You're okay. gonna, you get Go to ahead. pick. Have you started your Christmas shopping, yes or no? Mm-hmm. Or is yep. it too early – for Christmas decorations. Let, let's go with, um, you know, let's make it a combination of the both and, and just say too early for Christmas. Yeah. Let's go Christmas decorations. We, we know we have a mutual friend, Scott Hildebrand who puts up a really great Christmas display at his house with, uh, lots and lots of look for the inflatable. I'm going to actually get the link to his page and I'll put it on our, uh, on our page. Uh, 
Okay. Um, I like I said, I'm gonna do. Um, I'm I'm gonna put it. I'm gonna go to, and share the link. And oh, I forgot. I gotta get your page. Not the. Uh, okay, that's right. Sorry, folks. Henry's Henry's yep. Christmas Christmas yeah. yard. Yep. I'm gonna give it. Seriously, folks. Uh, he's putting it up now. Uh, when it starts, uh, you, you gotta stop by if you're in the Quad City area at all. Uh. Normally he does a blood drive the day after Thanksgiving. I'm hoping he does that again. Uh, I love donating blood, so hopefully I get to do that. Um, but anyway, uh, onto the show. I think is where we're at. Okay. At. I'm putting the link in yeah. the comments. Check it out. If you've never checked it out, it's a great place to be. Uh, he does a great job. Um, yeah. So. All right. So the MLB season wrapped up with a very stunning. Victory at last, a great game seven. Whoa, whoa, wait, wait! I called it, didn't I? You said that the that the Nationals would win. Okay, so I called the it. World Series, not from the very beginning of the playoffs. Well, no, you did before the World Series started. You did go with. Uh, you did pick the Nationals. Yep. So I will give that to you, and as your reward, you will get a lunch, a free lunch, once you the next time we're both in the same town. Yeah, we'll be home for Thanksgiving, so hopefully, hopefully Osaka buffet stays open that long because I need some sushi in my life. Mm. If not, there, there's another place we have in mind. Maybe not a buffet, but uh, but a pretty good uh, sushi and uh, and pho okay. um, place that Amy and I like to go to. Okay, so folks, check out Henry's Yard uh, on the Facebook description. Anyway, uh, so. Baseball. So, what did you think of the game? That's the first question. You know, it, it, it was a great game. Um, the the Astros played great. They held the Nationals to just one run through that seventh inning, and then like the wheels came off uh, when they decided to lift Zach Greinke from the game and go to one of their probably one of their most reliable relievers out of the bullpen, Will Harris, who then gave up another home run his second home run in back-to-back World Series games, which then um, turned the tide of the World Series to the national side, where they ended up winning, scoring, was it eight runs or seven runs, Mike? Uh, I think it was... In that final game. Uh, I don't remember. Six runs. Wow, six runs. Really yeah, six, six runs. runs. So how do you... Six runs. Why... Um, I really can't fault AJ Hinch for for pulling the plug though. The guy had a one one run. Uh, you mean not pulling the plug? Allowed, putting him yeah, back in the after plug. the putting him back in after the uh, sixth inning. Yeah. After the sixth inning, yeah. No, I totally agree. He he had. There's no reason Frankie, to pull him at that point. Um, he was pitching a good game. His pitch count was low, and he was cruising. But he didn't really have much many stressful innings either. Do you think he should have been pulled uh, when he started after he, after he gave up that home run and the walk, I guess is the big question. I'll give you that, that he could have been pulled after allowing the home run. But I think a lot of people were expecting Garrett Cole to pitch in that game. And I think Hinch was in a no win situation. If you take out, 
that you know because let's say that he took he takes Granky out and puts Cole in to start the very beginning of the seventh inning, and then Cole loses it, uh, pitching on what two days rest. Yeah. Then then he gets vilified for well, why did you take out a guy that was pitching a one hit shutout in the seventh inning? Yep. To go to a pitcher who hasn't pitched out of the bullpen since college, college or even high school. And then, but if he puts him, if he doesn't put him in, this is this is the the negative feedback that he's getting is that well, why didn't you put in a twenty game winner who's going to be who has a really good chance of winning the Cy Young this year into the ball game when you had a chance? So yep. I don't I don't think it was an, I don't, it was a no win situation for him. I think he did the best job that he could. So here's the other question, and I know this is um, slightly odd to, to come out. Um, do you pull? Just thinking about it. I mean, we all we all know what happened. We all saw it. Saw it. We can't really, um, we can't really double think it. Uh, but is putting is putting uh, Cole in uh, after one run has scored in the inning. He has nobody on base, so it's still for him a clean inning. Is that too crazy? I don't think so. I don't think so. That I don't think that was too crazy. But I think they wanted him to start an inning, and yeah. that opportunity never arose. They kept maybe their best pitcher, their best pitcher on their team, on the bench. Yeah, I. And he didn't get into the ballgame. It's one of those things that it's hard to it's hard to say. Um, I'd love to see. I, I mean, yes, get us. 10 coaches in the majors, and I bet they all do the exact same thing. You go to your best reliever. You, you not only that, not only that, but uh, Verlander deserve or Granky deserved to be out there still. Like mm-hmm. everybody's going to leave Granky in. Everybody's going to say, okay, he gave up a home run. Now he gave up a walk. He's a little shaken we need to get somebody in there so yeah it's going to end up you're going to get somebody in there and it's probably going to be your best reliever and it's good they're going to go the same exact route yeah i mean there's the school of thought of well but we've still got the lead his pitch count is still low let's see how he reacts maybe he'll rebound and get us out of the inning and then in the eighth and the ninth innings that's where we can turn the coal and Osuna to close out the game with a one-run lead. And I think that was the that was the the, the thought process behind nope. that decision making, and it just didn't work out. Totally agree. Now the other side of all of that, um, for me, how about the amazing uh, the amazing uh, balls and strikes being called behind home plate? I mean, legitimately, legitimately. Uh, I don't think I've seen as good of of uh, calling in the uh, major leagues in years. Uh, he, that strike zone was near perfect. There was only one or two pitches that I think were called outside of it that were abnormally outside of it. Um, overall, that was the best um, home plate umpire I've seen in a long time. Nope, uh, I'll give you that. Nope. Um, and the, statistics showed uh, that he had a 99.92, I think, rating going into, like, all year. Going from 
from the beginning of the year until the uh, until the World Series, he had like a 99.92% rating according to, to Pitch Tracker or whatever they the the MLB actually uses to grade their uh, umpires on that. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I thought he had a very consistent strike zone. There were a couple of those pitches where I was like, that was nowhere near the near the strike zone, and they were on strike three pitches, punching out punch outs. But you'll have that every once in a while. That that's that's part of the game. That's that's why there's that element of human human error. And uh, I mean, there's a part of me that was saying after a couple of those calls, we need a robot strike umpire or. We, we need that robo-umpire, but, you know, it's part of the game, and that, that's what makes baseball great. So if you uh, – I don't know if you saw it, but I think it was Wednesday? It might have been – no, it was Wednesday. Um, uh, don't Hassel's where local had a guest host in, and I don't remember his name. I apologize, guys. But they had a guest host in who was talking about uh, – the amount of times that balls and sticks are called correctly versus when balls and strikes or balls and strikes were called correctly. We are balls and sticks, the podcast on Facebook live and blog talk radio. Check us out. Uh, give us a like on Facebook. Um, sorry. Had to, I, I stumbled there. So I might as well yeah. give ourselves a plug, but anyway. Um, and they, he said that in the course of a game, the, the umpires are right 90 to 95% of the time on average. Now, that's on average. Then you add in the fact that they are right uh, or that you have some guys that are way above that, which means you have some guys that are way below that. Um, don't Ooh. get me wrong. But that that means on average you see 20 – if you see 200 pitches a game, now that's a super low pitch count. But let's say you see uh, 250, 260, 260 pitches a game overall, right, from both sides, and you only get 10% of that wrong, that could you, – you're going to – I mean, you're still doing really well. And over a year, that's 26,000, by the way, 26,000 pitches. These guys are good by me. So, um, I the, the everybody's gonna have their bad nights and their good nights. So, and the other side on that that I that I saw that I really liked was, or that he that he said was, um, the the robo takes the element of humanity out of the catching. At that point, you might as well just put a guy that blocks that can block the ball, and um, anyway, check it out. It, it was Wednesday show on Blog Talk Radio. Or on uh, on, don't hassle us. We're local. They did a great job about it. Um, he he really did talk about how uh, the competitive advantage of a guy that can that can uh, frame a pitch and and do all that quite well. So I highly recommend watching that show. And uh, on top of it, just in general, those guys are great. Um, but yeah, the 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 umpires did great. Um, so yeah, we also need to talk about when uh Tuesday night's game. Okay. The what did you think of the A the call? B the 
pseudo review that wasn't a review that confirmed oh, that it's not reviewable, yeah. but it's not, it's also not protestable and see um, the getting thrown out afterwards. I would say the call was correct. You, you can't argue with it. So I'll, I'll, I'll give it the call was correct. Um, I didn't like the, the five, almost five minute review process of the umpires converging. And I did not like how the, how Fox handled that call of having the dugout of having the camera in the nationals dugout locked on Trey Turner and picking up all the audio that he was saying is I was right there. How could I, I mean, they, all the, they, all the audio that, that they could pick up on him. That was wild for TV. Right. For TV. right. They muted and when him he, also saying Joe Torrey, he's sitting right there. He's sitting right there. You're blocking him. Show him as of referring to Joe Torrey. The head. You don't the, have to go to New York. You can go to, he's sitting right there. Yeah. No. So, uh, so much to unpack in this whole thing. And we have, pseudo limited time today because we have uh we have to run up to mankato but uh so first um the call do i agree with the way the call was made no okay here's my explanation first um he he really did run in a fairly straight line so that's the first thing um yes he's on the inside of it yes there's some yeah, by the letter of the law, he would have it would have been it should be considered. But um, the problem I have with the call was he let the play continue until it had finished, and then he makes the call that he was Ooh. out. Okay, the delay on the call is what I have a problem with. Not the call itself; it was the delay on the call. Um, I kind of have a problem with the, the call itself, but again, um, and this again goes to if uh, another show, uh, Joe Girardi was on the Dan Patrick show. Okay. Um, again, Wednesday. And he was saying, uh, what he wants is that double first base. Okay. And I was thinking about that too. It's like, why not? Like, like you see in youth baseball, you have the white bag that the first baseman covers and then the orange bag, which is the runners. Yep. Base. Yep. Um, now for a guy on that side of the plate to turn and aim towards that, he's gonna, it's not necessarily going to be great, but um, it it's a step. It gives way for both of them. Um, but besides that, um, I, either way, um, I don't like the way, I don't like that rule most of the time. I, I like it, but I don't all at the same time. I knew immediately when the glove came off, I said, that's going to be runner's interference. He's going to be out. Um, I, I personally misinterpreted the rule. I thought they were going to give him the sacrifice to first and let the guy take second because the, the, yeah. the, that's what I thought. I misinterpreted the rule. That was a me bad, not a overall bad. Um, so, uh, hey, Kim, thanks for joining us. Uh, this is Blog Talk Radio's Balls and Sticks, the podcast here on Facebook Live. Um, so, yes, I think 
I, I misinterpreted the rule. I didn't like, but I still don't like the way that that rule gets used and the, the way that it gets used in a media, in a, in a way that isn't always uh, point blank. Okay. So um, what did you think of Davey Martinez's decision to go out and argue in between innings, which resulted in him being thrown out of the ballgame? Was it worth his yeah. time to argue? Um, or was it a, or was it a waste of time to where uh, so again I don't know motivational tool. again I don't know what he got uh, what he got what he went out to argue and why he ended up going back out to argue that uh, slightly confusing to me the bigger problem I have more than that is um, when you get into uh, how I I want to rewind and, and go back to the review process uh, Joe. Um, Joe Buck, love him or hate him, uh, understands the situation that he is in 99% of the time. Uh, the biggest thing in that is that he understood that the he noticed and even called out the fans getting rowdy because of uh, not knowing what was going on. And he said, at some point, we need to tell the fans what's going on um, mm-hmm. in order for them to know. So, because that nine times out of ten, most of the time on uh, when you're at a stadium, you're not going to see uh, what happens in or why they're why they're under the hood, whatever you want to call it. They don't announce that. It's just you sit there and they tell you, "Hey, uh, yeah, um, you have to like we've done it. We've sat up there and said, well, they're reviewing it. Okay, what are they reviewing?" And we all have to speculate, and then. All of a sudden, they come out and say he's out, and we're like, "What do you mean he's out? What were you doing? What were you talking about? What's the actual ruling?" Uh, in the NFL, we get, "Well, this is what the ruling is. This is not, um, this is not us just arbitrarily coming out and telling you the results of the ruling." Yo. And before they go under the hood, they say what they're reviewing. Yeah. Yeah. So. So and so team is challenging that this was a catch. Yeah, it's under the hood. Yeah, no, I totally I agree. That, that, I think that totally would be an improvement for Major League Baseball as a whole to say before you go to the review process what the manager is challenging. Yep, and and I yeah I I totally agree. Um, and that's Joe Buck pointed that out. Whether you love him or hate him, this is Joe Buck season. First you get him with football, then you get him with baseball, and you know what? I appreciate the guy. I think he does the best that he does. I think he actually does a fairly good job. Um, He's not great if you want color commentary about your local sports team. He's not not with the Cubs three quarters of the year, so he's not going to be able to give the same broadcast that Cubs baseball is going to get. But he deserves deserves a lot more than what people give him credit for. That's my un... unpopular opinion and I'm gonna make it because I think okay. I think he does a good job back to Davey Martinez um sometimes you just got to go out and argue right like in baseball yeah. isn't that part of being a manager sometimes you even if you know you're gonna get thrown out you gotta fire your team up somehow and one of the quickest ways to do that is to go out and yell at the umpire and say you screwed my guy I'm gonna make everybody know that you're a dingleberry for all i care like that's like you don't care you're just making a point to make a point 
Um, I think he was founded. I again, I don't know. I still haven't heard what exactly he went out, why he went out the second time. Um, I should have watched the pressers if I really wanted to know, but you know, whatever. Um, but yeah, I I don't know. It's one of those things that I don't know that uh, was it worth it? Probably not. Um, will it? Uh, did it hurt? the team. No, I think it helped. I think it fired up the guys. I think they were fired up anyway, though. I don't think I, I, the way that Turner came out, the way that all that happened, I, I don't think that that would, I think he would, they were going to be fired up. Probably what I think what happened is during the break, uh, Mark uh, Davey said, uh, that boy Turner is going to go out there and get himself kicked out of this game. I need to do it. So he doesn't. Okay. That, I'll give you that. To me, that's probably what happened. Because Turner was looking to get kicked out of that game at that point. So, but then I don't know. I'm I'm not sure. So uh, that's right. that. Now, finally, onto the national side, the team that actually won. So we've spent so much time no, talking is. about what the Astros did oh, and yes. then what the umpires did. You have the Nationals, their first World Series titles in franchise history, as yep. they were previously the Nationals. They were never associated with the Washington Senators. You mean the? Uh, um, they were previously the Expos. Yeah, the Expos. They they were never associated with any of the Washington Senator teams. Uh, first World Series title in the history since um, 1924 for a team based in Washington D.C., which was uh, when they were the Senators who were then moved to Minnesota to become the Twins. And it's the first time in World Series history that the road team has won all four World Series games to capture the title. Time out. Time out. And, and it's, it's implied by it, but the road team run, won all seven games. Yes, it is. You are correct. I all mean, it is implied that by the road team. In, for a road team to have won by winning all four games that they need to, that implies, but come on, man, that's a crazy set. How do you? It really is. How do you expect that to to happen like that? Yeah, and it also was the first time all year that the Astros lost four home games. Wow. They had never suffered had a three game losing streak at home. Wow, that's that's an impressive set. That team is for reals. So, yeah, so you made a big deal about it being that they won the World Series in spite of Bryce Harper, without Bryce Harper. They were finally able to do it. However, I would argue that, yes, they were able to do it in, without having Bryce Harper, but they were able to let Bryce Harper go because of the depth throughout the organization that they had to to allow Harper to walk. When you have an outfield of Soto, Eaton, Taylor and Robles, you can afford to say, you know what, we'll take our chances with those four guys instead of bringing you back to to play right field. And also, if they had brought Harper back, they wouldn't have had the money to assign Patrick Corbin, who was a big part of their bullpen and starting rotation during the regular season. So if it's more than it's more than about oh well, they don't they didn't they won because they let Harper walk, who who got greedy and went to the highest bidder instead of staying home. I agree. I. I wasn't saying that it was because they let him walk that he they won. I'm saying I like that they won 
in spite of losing Bryce, if that makes any okay. any sense. Okay. Losing Bryce was a huge deal. Like legitimately, that's a huge deal. Um, because Bryce is is one of the top five guys in the MLB right now. Position players. Yeah. I'll give you top five. I will give you top five. Um, so for you to lose one of the top five players and still be able to come through a lot of teams, that would gut them. That would mean we're done. And they got nothing for them, too. Yep, nothing. So um, so that's that's the other thing. Um, hey, folks, that's our two-minute warning, two minutes um, till uh, for, blog talk radio. for blog talk. We still got about another 30. Um, yeah, but so Bryce being the one to be to leave and do all that, that's all I'm saying. Um, and you know, you're gonna leave us, we're gonna go out and win the World Series. That's a great thing to do. You they proved their their depth, they proved all everything. They got nothing to prove, they won the World Series. Yes, they did so. Um, we'll see if Bryce ever wins the World Series. I mean, a lot of people were saying that Bryce was cursed for being the the flamboyant, over-the-top uh, player that he is because the baseball gods hate that. Okay. So, um, other news around baseball. Uh, we got two, more, two uh, less managerial openings out around the majors. As the New York Mets hired a former all-star, Carlos Beltran, who's only been away from the game for two years. And the Royals hired former Cardinals manager, Matt Matheny, to be the skipper in Kansas City. Yeah, so just to, just to drive across the state to get to his new home? Do you think this hurts, That's right. do you think this hurts him with the St. Louis faithful? I don't think so. I mean, that they... There were there were Cardinals man there were Cardinal fans that were probably kind of confused or scratching their head by a lot of the decisions that he made, and mainly thinking that he got it he guided them to a World Series because he had Tony LaRusso's roster. Yeah, he inherited a great team. He didn't, and then he didn't do anything once those those core players started started moving going away to other teams, and then that's that's why he lost his job because he couldn't take the team to the next level as the team building got more got less and less away from Tony LaRusso's guys. The other side that I would argue is that uh, you know it, it wasn't his choice. He didn't leave to go to the Cubs or he didn't leave to go to wherever he was let go. That So yeah, I agree with yeah, you. Yeah, he was that. let go. Um, same way that Joe is. I mean, I have nothing but the best for Joe. So mm-hmm. I'm good with it. Um, if, if you are looking to get one of those major league coaching jobs, uh, you'll still have to off to uh, call up the Giants and the Pirates, as those are the two only remaining teams that still have openings. I want to live in San Francisco. I don't want to live in Pittsburgh. Plus, except I'd spend a lot of time in Chicago. Good. You, you get at least six games a year, six days a year out of there. Yeah. In Chicago. That, Same thing with San Francisco. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So... Okay, well, so, yeah. Rich, do you Stay see? Uh, do you see what's coming ahead? Is it a left turn? It is a left turn. Do you know what's after that? 
probably another left. It is another left turn. Because we're on the NASCAR corner. Uh, This week we are in Texas Motor Speedway. My brother, friend of the show, Tony Scranton, watching the race live. Enjoy it, TJ. Uh, Have fun. That's right. I also saw on this Facebook that he have got he got a meet and greet with Kevin Harvick. Yep, I told him to tell him to win this race so that I can be right this week, which uh, okay that gets into this week's pick. It's not next week, not last week's picks. You want to review for us last week's picks for how we and how we did in the uh, standings? I sure can. So Martin Truex Jr. was your winner. Um, your pick of Joey Logano came in eighth. My pick of Kyle Busch came in fourteenth. And on the non-playoff side, Clint Boyer came in 35th. Jimmy Johnson was 38th. So that takes our standings up to 8-6 to six for the playoffs, 23-18 to 19 for the full season. You have the advantage for the playoffs. I have the advantage across the entire um, NASCAR season. So, Mike, you lead the playoffs. I will give you your driver picks for both non-playoff and playoffs drivers going into the triple a texas 500 i mean i already gave away my playoff pick that's kevin harvick and uh okay do you even need to ask me who my non-playoff pick is go ahead and give it to the folks jimmy johnson his name jimmy johnson let's go jimmy all right so i'm gonna go with my my uh pick up for the overall playoff champion joey Lugano for it because i'd love to see him being able to be eligible for the race as a playoff driver uh, at Miami Homestead. So Did you get to Joey see those, those fireworks between him and his, uh, and, and Denny Hamlin? I did not. Oh, so did you hear about it at all? Or um, a little bit. A little bit. Why don't you give the folks uh, a little so, info on that while I look into a non-playoff driver. Right okay. So on the, on, the, uh, on the course, and Martinsville is a short track. It's a small track. You're not going fast, but you do a lot of beating and banging against each other. Uh, Denny Hamlin was uh, was not turning as well as he thought he was, so he slid up the racetrack, sandwiched Joey Logano into the wall. Joey did not like that. After the race, came up and said, hey, this wasn't cool, and shoved uh, Denny Hamlin. Denny Hamlin was like, oh, so you want to fight? Let's do this. As Joey decided, well, no, I just want to walk away. And so Joey starts walking away, and Denny comes out, and he's ready to fight him. Um, and it, people were doing what they're supposed to do, getting between them, until one of the, uh, the Penske uh, team members decided he wasn't having any of it anymore, and he grabbed Denny Hamlin, threw him to the ground, which that's when all hell broke loose. And there was quite a bit of beating and banging uh, happening between players or between racers, between teams. Um, he, the, that team member ended up getting ejected or getting uh, suspended at least one week. Um, but uh, because they're both playoff drivers, NASCAR's not. leveling any fines on anybody or or any penalties, but I think we will see that as soon as either one of them is dropped out of the, uh, is dropped off of the, uh, the, the playoffs. So that's what happened. It was kind of enjoyable to see, but 
you know, that type of stuff happens. It's NASCAR. That's what they do. All right. So before we leave the NASCAR corner, I have made my decision for a non-playoff driver, and I'm going to go with Denny Hamlin's teammate, uh, Eric Jones. Eric Jones. Okay. Eric Jones. Okay. So, um, leaving leaving the track to go to the gridiron. Big week in the NFL too, right? Yeah. So, um, our week eight picks, uh, we both got our locks as both the Lions and the Texans won. The Lions won 31 to 26. The Texans beat the Raiders 27 to 25. A little closer game, but you still came out on top. Um, over on the locks, we did not get our locks, Mike. Nope. Uh, Do you mean our locks. upsets? Upsets, yeah. Upsets, sorry. Uh, because the Jaguars beat my pick of the Jets 29-15, to 15, and it was a very close game in Indy as the Broncos lost 15-13. to 13. I thought I thought they were going to pull it off, but alas. You, you came really close, a lot closer than I did. And uh, Thursday night football was a lot better game than I thought, which was 28 to 25. There were uh, 49ers. Okay. I thought that defense would hold uh, Kyler Murray and the Cardinals to a little less points. So Thursday night football gave me a little bit of homework last night, last week, to listen to the Andrea Kramer Hannah Storm broadcast yep. on Amazon Prime. Yep. So my thoughts on it, I thought it was, it was kind of like an odd pairing to me. Yeah. I, I, I only listened to him for maybe about a quarter because it, I was tired and had to go to bed. Because um, you're an old man. Like, Yeah. It, it really did seem like they were watching the game on TV in separate locations. Yeah. Calling the game. Yeah. That's... It didn't seem like they had much of a flow or relationship back and forth. Yeah. I agree. Also, my other comp, my other maybe negative feedback on them is – a typical booth has a reporter and a color commentator, which is usually is a former player or coach. Yep. That booth seems like it has two reporters. Yep. Doesn't make it doesn't flow. It doesn't flow to me. So that that those are my two criticisms of it. I think if you split them apart and maybe put a traditional color person that was more of a special who uh, who their color commentary was more their specialty instead of reporting, I think it'd be a, be- a better pairing for Storm and Kramer. Yeah, but I think the when you the place where you're going to see that is as as there's becoming more female um, coaches in the NFL, mm-hmm. and and I don't know if there's any right now, but I know that there are in college. There are. Colleges. No, there, there are some. Uh, there are some female assistant coaches in the NFL. Right, there and are I, a couple. I think you'll see that. Um, I could even see um, one of the referees, uh, one of the female referees, uh, jumping in and, and being a good com- color commentator for that type of a thing. I agree. I think um, the missing of the color commentary was kind of tough. Um, I've I watched an entire game of it, and mm-hmm. I can I I think they're. They're a little unpolished, and I think you're right. I think your your analysis that they watch it on TV and then leave, um, that's kind of where you're we're getting at. That's probably yeah, the, the issue not there. Live. And I thought it was kind of weird. They, they were very reactive to the ads on the streets where they would be like they didn't know the ads that were coming up, like the promotions or, or, or like the 
um, like the the stats or like the weird like the things that I guess Fox has planned for for their analysts that pop up on the screen to talk about a certain guy's stats. It seemed like they'd be going on talking about their own point, and then a graphic would come up on the TV, and then one of them would have to scramble to talk about the graphic that that popped up on the screen. Yeah, that's and then again, that's the hard part because um, because uh, Amazon does not own the rights, so that's the biggest problem there. Um, Amazon not owning the rights makes it a little bit more difficult for them to be able to make those statements or to to know what's coming and when and where and why. Um, so they also don't have a sideline reporter. Yeah. But that's that's another thing that I was kind of surprised. I, think, I thought that they would get access to the audio of Pam Pam Oliver as well. Yeah, I think you put a sideline reporter down there. May I mean, if even if you're not having them uh, at the game, I don't know if that's part of the problem that, that they weren't at the game itself. I, I'm not sure if that's the well, case. At least as far as we know, they're not. At the game. It doesn't. It doesn't sound like it. At least have them in the same place together. Like, that would be my yeah. argument there. All right. All right, so, Mike, um, as far as for our blog talk radio audience, who we have just about four minutes for, let's get to our NFL picks. Uh, okay. So the picks can hear those picks if they are only listening to us on blog talk radio. Yep. So, Mike, we need a lock. We need an upset. And, of course, Thursday night football. Okay. So who do you who got for a lock? Of the you know, um, I'd rather give you my upset first. Okay. I know for sure who I want is my upset. Okay. And I'm going to take the Ravens Ooh. upsetting the Patriots on Sunday night football. Oh, that feels like it should be a double a double point one for you. But, and we, we're going to get there in a minute. So, folks, bear with us. We get Actually, the biggest thing we have is coming up in just a second. I'm going to tease it. We're going to talk about our power rankings, how we got there. And we're gonna have to do it quick because we're we did a lot more baseball talk, but uh, and some NASCAR extras. But uh, yeah, my my upset of the week. I'm going. I'm digging back into that same team as I did last week. I'm picking the Denver Broncos over the Cleveland Browns. Okay, Broncos over the Browns. That's gonna be my okay. upset. My lock of the week. Hmm. I'm not sure. Not sure on a lock. Wow. I'm going to go with Houston over Jacksonville. Houston over Jacksonville. So you're going to go back and take the Texans again. Yep. Okay. Um, I don't – yeah, I'm going to go right back to a primetime game, and I'm going to say the Cowboys over the Giants on Monday night thought about that one. I actually thought about that as my upset. Really? It's the Giants over the Cowboys? Yeah. Um, okay. I, I couldn't pull the trigger on it, but you know, I think this is going to end up being a trap game for the Cowboys even though it's hard to be a trap game for the Cowboys when um, you know, you're you're 100% coming in at like, this is our big, this is one of our biggest rival rivalries, so Okay. We'll see. So, Mike, we finally get a close matchup for Thursday night football in week number 10. Make sure to make that pick, Mike, because I noticed that you missed out on your point for Thursday night this week. I know. I did. You didn't, you didn't save. 
So uh, you're, are you taking the San, the uh, the L.A. Chargers or the Raiders? I'm taking the San Diego Chargers until they have you're a permanent home. Until they have a permanent home, I do not acknowledge that they're in Los Angeles. And then they're going to be in Inglewood anyway. So they're in the suburbs anyway. Right. They're just moving to another suburb of L.A. Right. right. Um, so I'm going to go with the Raiders in this one. Okay. It's at home. The Bolts haven't looked very good. Um, so I, I got to go to John Gruden's Raiders. Yeah. And we're coming up on Thanksgiving uh, matches. I'm looking forward to that. Yep. Okay. All right, Mike. So power rankings. We gotta, uh, you have the actual you I have do. The power rankings up. So I do. You can give what the formula does and what our eye tests were. Okay. So the way that our formula works, we take – um, your strength of schedule, um, so basically who you've played so far, how well they're doing in the season, and how or how well they've shown up, um, and then we take that, multiply it by the amount of wins that you have, 